the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and kind of walked around bleary-eyed, unable to see or think clearly until you drink your first cup of coffee? Well, join us today as Pastor Rander challenges us with some spiritual caffeine. As he continues the message, he'll be teaching from a number of scriptures. So get pen and paper ready as we begin. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. Yeah, he said he said that right. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Confrontation. Let's transition. Even Jesus to the New Testament. Even Jesus had confrontation from those who opposed, despised, and attempted to ensnare him. Even Jesus had confrontation from those who opposed, despised, and attempted to ensnare him. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20, verses 20 through 26, it says, Watching for their opportunity, the leaders sent spies. You see, there's no good spies. Pretending to be honest men. They tried to get Jesus to say something they could be, that they could report to the Roman governor so he would arrest Jesus. Huh. But look what happened. Look what happens. He says, teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right. Look at this, buttering him up. What is and are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. A bunch of hypocrites. Now tell us, Jesus, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their trickery and said, show me a Roman coin. They showed him whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said, well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So they failed to trap him by what he said in front of the people. Instead, they were amazed by his answers and they remained silent. They couldn't mess with him. I mean, he spoke in such a way they couldn't touch him. Here's another analogy. You're hanging on. The Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 3 through 11 gives us another illustration of of Jesus facing confrontation. The scripture says in John 8, 3 through 11, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, here they go again. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses command us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? Verse six. This they said to test him 
that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, they would just continue to ask him. He stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Verse eight. I like this. And after he made that statement, look up, look, verse eight. And once more, Jesus bent down. This is the second time and began to write on the ground. Now, the, the scripture doesn't say what Jesus wrote on the ground. But perhaps, perhaps, now perhaps, using my sanctified imagination, perhaps, say perhaps. It's not written. I'm just using this as a Draper version right here. I'm just sanctified imagination. Perhaps Jesus was writing the sins of the accusers on the ground of all, for all to see. Perhaps he's writing down there, liar. Perhaps he was writing down there, Adultery. Perhaps he was writing down there stealing. Perhaps he was writing down there abuser. Perhaps he was writing down pride. Perhaps he was writing down there illegitimate divorce. If he if if he were here today, perhaps he would be writing down extramarital affairs, pornography. Maybe if he was writing on the ground today, he'd be writing down gambling. Maybe he would be writing down backbiting. Should I keep calling? I wonder what he wrote on the ground. The scripture didn't say, and where the scripture is silent, we ought to be silent. But I believe, I just believe, perhaps he wrote some stuff on that ground that made them all walk away. He wrote, he wrote once and then he went down and wrote again. What was he right? We don't know. But just maybe he was right that maybe they got so convicted that they couldn't do nothing but drop their stones and walk away. Stop being so quick to throw folk away and judge others. Even in this congregation today, even by radio and social media, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. You don't have a right to gossip about anything. You don't have all the facts. You don't know everything. You're not omniscience. We don't know what you're talking about. Just be quiet and pray. Just be quiet and pray. Verse 9, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. That woman had a testimony. I tell you what, the same God that saved that woman will save you. That's right. And, and there's somebody here that needs to hear the words from my mouth to you to encourage. Go and sin no more. If you're lying, stop lying. 
If you're deceptive, stop being deceptive. If you're having sex out of wedlock, stop. Just stop. Please stop. And on and on and on it goes. Confrontation is inevitable, especially when you are trying to achieve your life goals or striving to maintain the spiritual standard as believers and leaders. Just because you are in a Christian environment, listen to this, just because you're in a Christian environment does not mean that you're not going to escape confrontation. There's even confrontation in the church. And do I have some juicy illustration and maybe I need to tell you a few but I'm not (laughs) too juicy for the air too juicy for the air let me transition from there for your mind wonder (laughs) how should believers respond to confrontation how should believers respond? You're going to have it. It's inevitable. So how do believers respond to, to confrontation? Well, first, expect confrontation. And that's why you ought to be walking with the Lord. That's why you ought to be praying and fasting. And you ought to expect them. When you, when you expect them, then you're not taken aback by them. Next, pray before you engage in confrontation. If you're praying in the spirit, because you never know when a confrontation will come. They come sometimes later on, sometimes suddenly, sometimes they come unannounced. They, sometimes the confrontations just ambush you. Pray before you engage in confrontation. Next, maintain a Christ-centered mindset. Have the mind of Christ, and Christ will give you what to say. Maintain a Christ-like mindset. Uh, next, refuse to allow yourself to become the issue. Sometimes the issue may be quite small, but you blew it into a mountain. I mean, you just went off. You, you threw in all kind of words out there that people don't want to hear. I mean, you, you just, you just, you just misrepresenting God. You become the issue. Matter of fact, what you do with it becomes bigger than the issue. Maintain self-control in the midst of Conflict. Don't lose control of yourself. Uh, how should believers respond to conflict? Refuse to allow yourself to be ruled by your emotions. Don't walk, don't, don't be screaming and hollering and slamming doors. That's even in your marriage. Don't speak. You text your spouse. You need to throw that phone out the house if you got a text because you don't want to speak. Send messages through your children. Go tell your mama so and so. Why can't you do? Get over yourself. You see. <laughs> Refuse screaming and yelling. Use confrontation as teachable moments. Use confrontations as teachable moments. Do you realize you can diffuse a whole lot of stuff if you just tell people why in the spirit of love, and if they can't accept it, then that's on them. Particularly if it's a good reason. And some people don't want to accept it because they don't like what you said. Uh, speak the truth in love. Speak it in love. People know when you're speaking the truth in love. Refuse to go into the, the attack mode and you growl like a grizzly bear. 
in the midst of confrontation. You go and attack me. You ready to fight. I'm not just physically fighting. I mean a verbal fight. Refuse to allow blame and criticism to suppress your motivation. Listen, for you who are trying to do the right thing, you love the Lord, even in the church, there will be blame and criticism. In a Christian environment, in a Christian ministry, there will be blame and, on your job, uh, in life, blame and criticism. But And you're trying to have vision from God and, and you want to see God do great things through you. Uh, then refuse to let the negativity of others, the criticism of others, suppress the motivation that you have in your heart. Uh, Next, trust God to resolve your conflicts. Give them to Jesus. Trust God to resolve your conflicts. And then be mindful of your facial expressions and your body language. Oh, yeah, I agree. But your mouth is poked out. Look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Yeah, okay, okay. And you all, you just, you just look bad. Your face is falling. Be mindful of your facial expressions, your body. Folk know when you don't like something, you just want to show it. And don't have a little power and influence. Then you really know how to rock and roll with those eyebrows. And other folk catch your cue. If you're a person of influence, you know what they do? If you, you don't like something somebody said, then you, you make your face ugly and then they see yours ugly. They get ugly too because they have influence over you. That's right. And so, so they don't do it because they see your face saying, don't do it. You know, in conflict, listen to this one. Giving short, spirit-filled answers is your best defense. Giving short, spirit-filled answers is your best defense. When you give long responses to defend yourself, you usually end up saying something wrong. Jesus says, just who, who, whose name is on the call? Whose face is on the call? Rid of the Caesar, the Caesar, God to God. God just gave short, pithy answers. And sometimes you talk too much. Well, back in 1932, let me bring you all. I went on the hall. Just get to the point. Say something concise and pithy and, and spiritual and put it out and leave it alone. Okay? Before engaging in conflicts, we must ask ourselves, is the issue spiritually relevant? Is the issue spiritually Irrelevant. Sometimes we fight, people can fight over stuff that has no, that have no redemptive purpose, that have no lasting eternal value. And they are all upset. They lose in sleep. And then you ask God, God, what do you think about this? And God says, nothing. Absolutely nothing. My question is, why are you so bent out of shape? You know, people, years ago, they used to fight over the color of the robes. Big spit over the color of the carpet. They fight fight over everything, just everything, just everything. Big fights. Big fights. You see. Uh, So before engaging in conflicts, we must ask ourselves, is the issue spiritually relevant? I mean, mean, what would this issue mean a hundred years from now? You just ask yourself that. A hundred years from now, what would God think about this issue? And even furthermore, what would you think about it? <laughs> Nothing. Sometimes, listen, here's, here's a big one. I'll be through with this section. Sometimes, listen to me real good. Sometimes it is best just 
to be silent. There are times I just wish I kept my big mouth shut. Have you ever put your foot in your mouth and you knew it? And you just wished you had, but then God convicted you. You said, why did I just be quiet? And open my mouth and look so bad? There were times when Jesus himself was silent when confronted. Since Jesus had his confrontations, you will not live your life without them as well. Beloved, confrontation is inevitable in life. Number seven, refuse to give up when things become difficult. Refuse to give up when things become difficult. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Beloved, persistence, endurance, and perseverance are so essential to be greatly used by the Lord. I say it again. Persistence, endurance, and perseverance are so essential Uh, To be greatly used by the Lord. Nothing comes without a cost. The Lord Lord never said life would be easy. Some believers are so quick to give up when things do not go well. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect pastor. There is no perfect uh, family. There's no perfect job. And on and on it goes. You should expect injustice. You're in a fallen world. Satan is, is the prince and power of the air. Y'all, excuse me, this ain't heaven. Thank God. This ain't heaven, you're on your way to heaven. Don't spend heaven on earth. We not home yet. Injustice. Yeah. Criticism. Yes. Misunderstanding. Yes. They don't tell me thank you. Lack of appreciation. Yes. Betrayal. Yes. Jesus had it. So who are you? He's in the circle. Judas betrayed him. And God allowed that to happen to teach us lessons. You say, well, I've been hurt by my husband. I'm hurt by my friend. I'm hurt by this person. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm not letting anybody else in my life anymore. If Jesus felt like that, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. I've experienced rejection. Yes, you're living in a fallen world. And even in the Lord's church, there's rejection. And most of all, we would not have the joy of receiving our salvation If Christ had quit because of suffering, ridicule, hate, abuse, death threats, name calling, being spat upon in the face, and even uh, the death on the cross to procure our salvation. Had Jesus not been willing to suffer and die and he quit, we'd be lost and on our way to hell. I'm so glad God didn't quit on us. And some of you, people can just roll their eyes at you or just hurt your feet. I'm gone. That church, you you labor the whole church by what one person do. You define the whole church by what one person do. They are, they nothing. That one person and you, they all, you're lying. I'm so glad Christ didn't quit on me. How many of you glad that Christ suffered for you? 
How many of you are glad he, he received the spit that you would have salvation? The crown of thorns that you will be reward crowns in heaven. How many of you are glad that Jesus suffered, bled, and died because he didn't quit? Then why on this side of heaven are you quitting on him? Some of you have not started in five years. You're not in one ministry. If we had your funeral, your casket was here, and I would say, these are the things that this dear person did at the church, and there's nothing to say. Matter of fact, you die, and there's no, everybody, all the positions are still full. All those tables for ministry fell all around. Which one are you going to? You want to? Some of you walk out of here to go eat some fried chicken or whatever you eat. So, well, you say, I don't like fried food. Well, then baked chicken. <laughs> that stuff's going to be waiting. You need to walk around those tables and say, Lord, what will you have me to do? Here am I. Send me. I'm not walking out of here anymore. I'm, I'm doing what? Lord, I can do two this year. I'm doing two. Lord, I can do three this year. Now, I don't want to say, don't, don't, don't you tell me you're doing 15 because you're doing little or nothing. You can't do all the ministries. God don't mean for you to do them all. But you ought to be doing some. And the ones you do, you ought to be committed with 100% effort to do them. So why is it that Jesus could sacrifice so much for us and some of you quit when you experience the least resistance of something you just don't like? The nursery is not up to par. It's too, I can't find parking nearest the church. It took too long to get out of the parking lot. It's too cold there. It's too hot there. The preacher don't sing. He can't sing. He won't sing. He's bald. (laughs) Beloved, living in victory means you must refuse to quit. Quitting must never be your option. Allow absolutely nothing in this life to disturb you, rattle you, or move you, or remove you from your divine assignment. I preach, I preach in this pulpit and, 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 and uh, for, for in the pulpits for f- between two churches for 40 years. For, from 31 to 71. You counted up. Four decades. Bless your babies. Marriage your sons and daughters. I baptize. I've been with your children in the rivers of Mo Ranch, dealing with questions and answers on life questions to your children, my wife and I. We hung around, first one to get here, last one to leave. If you ask me what kind of car you have, I can't tell you because I get here too early and I leave too late, and that's what a leader does. No pastor ought to be a clock watcher. I'm not so easy to leave this area. I hang around, wait on folks. I want to conversate with those I shepherd. I'm not too busy to talk to you. Just don't, don't, just don't hold the line up. 
Oh my God. You must remain faithful. You must stay the course to the glory of Christ. Be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and not be moved. I declare, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And all God's children said, Amen. God bless you. And Father, and Father, we repent of not doing more. Some do as little as possible. Some need to repent because they don't give God their best financially. Father, some need to repent because they can't even come to church four consecutive times in a row on time. Oh God, confront our issues, our lack of faith, our lack of service. Father, help us to start over so that we can live the victorious Christian life. Father, if we're going to do better, we just have to start over. Help us to not live in mediocrity and spiritual regression. Life is too short for us to be moving so spiritually slowly. In Jesus' name, amen. And immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.